I am Julie. I am still an overeater, a compulsive overeater, and a hundred pounder. Um, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Don in Abstentia for asking me to share. Um, this is my home meeting, and um, so it's lovely to share with you. I love you guys. You loved me before I knew how to love myself. Basically, that's the program. Okay, great. Now we can uh, wrap it up. Um, but it is it 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 is a lot. I'm going to send some photos around. Um, my life today is amazing, and it's because I'm abstinent and because I've had a spiritual awakening. I um, I'm not married. I'm never going to have kids. For some reason, in this instance, my business is getting a little wonky. But I'm waking up with a smile on my face. And um, I don't want to do harm to myself. I don't want to not exist. And I'm uh, not miserable and berating myself every second of the day. So... Um, to start off, um, as a kid, extremely chaotic childhood. Um, I guess by the time I was in high school or, or finished high school, I lived in four different states, had three different mothers, had two evil stepsisters, a wacko stepbrother, um, Lived with my dad through all of his marriage. People go, oh, well, you're, you're dad in the military? I go, no, he just married his way across the country. And um, he, and my brother and I went with him because my mom lost us because she was shacking up with us with an ex-con who was housing a prostitute and running drugs um, out of our uh, apartment on Bedford in 18th, which is just really a stone's throw from where my office is now. Um and, and my mother, who works there, is my office manager. I have an amazing relationship with my dad. He's a, a confidant and a mentor. And all of that has to do with forgiveness, which is an awesome thing. Because um, a lot of people say, my, you know, my parents did the best that they could. Um, well, mine didn't. And, uh, and, it's just, and it's just a fact. You know, because I'm over the judgment, I'm over the stuff, but, you know, that, that's what it was. Uh, from day one, the only, my first memory is that my body was always wrong. Always wrong. Um, you'll see in the photos of me as a little kid, I, you know, my friends go, you're a normal kid. I, I can't see that. I am incapable of actually seeing that. Um, I, I used to blame my dad totally for that. Um, and then I, I remembered, and I wish I could find this photo, that my mom, probably I was five or so, put me in a little bathing suit um, that had like an apron. And she goes, those are good because they cover. <laughs> now, um, as I said, I'm not a parent, but the, you know, I guess you could just say one thing to the kid, you know, it just burns in your brain and stays with you. Um, 
So my dad really owned my weight, um, and uh, both of them did. Apparently, the ex-con was the first one to, to put me on a diet. Um, there's a, his name was Rocky. Like, could that be more of a cliche? My dad, just as an aside, my dad almost married a Swedish stewardess. More cliches. But, um, and he's a whole, Rocky's a whole deal. There's a big uh, hole in my life that I don't remember. Uh, I'm working on that now. But um, in any case, he hit my mom, he hit my brother, and she swears he never laid a hand on me. Whatever. Um, so I was on every diet that you can imagine, like a lot of us. Um, and at uh, it, it just I just kept getting bigger and bigger, but I was always on a diet. All, my food was always restricted. In the family, at one point, no one gets to have sodas, but I can have diet soda. You know, my food was always different. I was never offered desserts. I was, it was looked at what I was eating. So I became just like a total uh, sneak eater. Um, I remember when I went to the Shenandoah school, that's when we were with Rocky, they would have these chocolate chip cookies after, after, um, school and I was not allowed to have them okay so my binge food of choice was chocolate chip cookies and we don't have to page Dr. Ford to figure that one out I mean it's like so um, um, sugar 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 chocolate if it wasn't chocolate actually I wouldn't eat it someone offered me a vanilla you know ice cream not interested but um, if you put a whole mess of hot fudge maybe but, uh, yeah, total volume. Um, my friends in college would, would be like, I don't get it. We never see you eat. It's like, that's right, and you're not going to. Um, so uh, when I was 25, when back in New York, I, uh, I went on Nutrisystem um, for a year. I lost a lot of weight. I was 125. I'd never been that small um, I could never wear the same clothes as my mom oh did I mention that my parents are like huge huge narcissists um, everything's about the looks and um, and it, it you know it was an extremely unhealthy program I, I lost my period sorry guys but um, you know which is not healthy uh, 25 and um and I freaked out. I mean, things started to happen. Doors literally started to open. I mean, men would literally open the door for me, whereas before, completely invisible. Um, but I didn't get the guy, and I didn't get the job, and I didn't get all this stuff that I was promised. Promised. That when you lose weight, it'll all be great, and you'll get everything. And I, I, I said that to my dad, and he's like, well, why would you think that? I was like, fucking dude, you're the one who basically instilled all of that in me. Um, and my dad definitely, you know, looms, looms large in all of this. And um, he, he would take ownership. 
totally. Um, and promises. Uh, tennis lessons if you lose weight. Um, he said to me one day he, he would pay for grad school um, if I lost weight. And he said, well, you know, do something for me and I'll do something for you. How this was his, I don't know. Um, and so I just, you know, I, 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 I gained the stuff back so quickly after Nutrisystem. Um, just, just huge, hugely, you know, blew up and just continued, um, continued to eat. Uh, had, had very, very few uh, relationships throughout college and after I was like, you know, they'd fool around with me when their girlfriends were out of town. Um, had several married lovers, uh, basically because I wasn't worth someone of my own. Um, I, when I was in New York, I did start going to meetings. I met this guy on the subway, which is like the worst, the most disgusting place to meet a really disgusting guy. Anyway, he was in AA, and I would call him my foul weather friend, because like, it would rain, he'd come over and fuck me and leave. Like, that was, like, like that was his fault. Like, I had nothing to do with it. Um, so he told me about OA. And so I started going to meetings. There was this meeting down in St. Mark's Place, and I was so miserable in this job, too. I just went, I went every day. Um, and I, number one, I was like, what the fuck are the anorexics doing here? Wait, no, that's, you know, I had no idea that they were the same thing, but I was pissed. It's like, at least you're thin. You got the glamorous disease. You know, they make after school specials about you. Um, and, uh, you know, no one calls you lazy or have no willpower. Anyway, I got to know that. And I think that I, but I don't remember people talking about sponsors or steps or anything. And it could be that I was just like so kind of blinded. Um, but, but I knew that there were people like me and um, was pretty astonished to, um, to even know that. So I went kind of and then stopped. I never worked the program. I never read anything. Um, and I moved here and um, I did go to a meeting. I went to Serenity Sunday and took a newcomer chip and definitely had a hug because the secretary is a really a cute guy. And um, again, just kind of in and out, not really. So I get to uh, 225 pounds. And, I, you know, I'm just miserable. And, uh, you know, depressives, went on antidepressants. You know, I was in therapy since I was 12. I mean, all this good stuff. I saved my life. I mean... No question. And I just got to a point, I think I was tired of, uh, you know, basically every benchmark. You know, if, I'm, if I get to 30 and I'm not thin, that's it. I'm over. Um, I get to 40, if I get to 50. So I got to 225 pounds. That's my highest recorded weight. And I did a lot of research and I decided to have surgery. Um, I know it's, it's maybe controversial in the rooms. Some people are against it. Some people are fine. This is my story. And this is what I did. And I would 
do it again in a heartbeat. Um, and I had the ruin Y, which is the most extreme. It's not undoable. They don't put anything in you. They don't take anything out. They just rearrange the plumbing. Um, and when I did that, I mean, I did do a lot of research. And I remember uh, um, when I told my dad I was going to have the surgery, because um, I made the decision myself. I mean, I talked to people. I just went and saw doctors. I didn't tell anyone in my family till I made the decision. You know, it's like, what earrings should I wear? I need 18 opinions. But on the big things, that's mine. So um, I told my dad, he goes, well, you know, if you need any help financially, I said, no, this is mine. I'm doing this. I'm taking this back. Um, he did come out when I had my surgery. He lives in New York. So he, he came out here, which was great. And as did my little brother. I have a, a little half brother. Um, little. It's 30. And... Um, and it was great. I mean, it was great to have his, his support and have him there. We, we had like a, a last supper at the Ivy. Um, I went home. I had a breakup sex with both Ben and Jerry. And, um, yeah. and, and I went in and I did it. And I'm really happy that I did. And over the course of a year, I lost 99 pounds. And my sponsor's like, could you just say 100? It's like, no, because it wasn't perfect enough. And unless I lost 100, I was a failure. Um, and it, it, I, I will just say about the surgery, and I'm happy to talk to anybody anytime about it. Um, it's not an easy way out either. I mean, it, it is, uh, there are just a lot of other things that go along with it. Um, but it does, it, it takes a lot of discipline. And can you gain the weight back? Sure. You could, you know, suck down milkshakes all you want, but there is a limited capacity and, um, which is great. I mean, it really, I, I didn't have another failure in me. I knew I just, it, I just didn't. Um, would the trajectory have been the same if I'd gotten the program first or whatever? I, I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. So um, a year after, a um, good friend of mine, a fellow, some of you know, uh, she mentioned program. And I was like, okay. Because I had lost my weight, but I, I knew I didn't really have serenity yet. Um, and I had learned my lessons from, you know, 25, 30 years prior. I wasn't expecting promises to come true. I wasn't expecting all this stuff. I just, you know, I, I wanted to be healthier. I, um, and I wanted to be thinner. And it's, uh, one of the things that tipped me over, too, was I was, like, right on the edge of, uh, you know, pre-diabetic. And I just thought that is a club I do not want to join. And so for me, it was about my health. Oh, just, sorry, a funny aside, like health. At one point, my dad was trying to like stage this intervention. And, you know, he said to my brother, well, it's really about her health. And my brother, who like never really talked about anything, said to him, and this is, this is true that my dad said to me, because my dad one day said, uh, you know, you feel like picking up a Hershey bar. Why don't you pick up a cigarette instead? 
it was really easy. I mean, it was very easy for me to quit smoking. And, and so my brother's like, uh, so it's about her health. Um, in that same week, my dad said that. My mother said she was worried about me because I was not watching enough television. My, my parents. Um, so, um, where was I? So I came into program. And that was, ah, um, when was that? Well, I, I have uh, 12 and a half years absence. That, that was, that was uh, uh, 13 years ago. And um, I came and I stayed. And um, even, and you'll, you'll see in the pictures, I mean, I, I gained some weight back. I figured, you know, things, I was going to work as hard as I could that first year because I knew it would never get, it would never be easier each day to lose. So um, I, I did gain some back and wasn't real happy. Um, and at one point I just said, okay, I want to make some changes. And I was working with my sponsor um, and she had, had just, uh, you know, I said, I, I want to, uh, weight loss abstinence and so she had recently started doing sober eating so I recently started, so I started doing sober eating and you know and, and cut stuff out that you know wasn't in my abstinence but I'm just you know I'm parking some potatoes I'm parking this I'm parking some rice and mostly like a lot of carbs um, and I eat super cleanly like oils, butters, nothing, just really, really clean. Um, I do go out a lot and do as much as I can. And oh, just a quick aside um, about going. I, I didn't realize why I love to go out to eat so much. Um, you know, from, from very, very early on. And I realized one day it's because when they give you your plate, there's no judgment. And at home, I had never been given a plate of food without there being judgment on it. Um, anyway, so this, the sober eating really um, has helped so much. It's got me down to um, I have never been thinner in my life. And through the sober eating, through taking the big book workshop with Ellie, I could not, could not um, encourage you more to do that. That that was a total thing that changed me. That I got my spiritual awakening there, and I don't have time to talk about God, but I'm sure someone will ask me. Um, and because logically this shouldn't happen, I'm a 58 year old postmenopausal woman who does not exercise. I should not. I should not have been able to lose this weight, but. It's, it's because, because of this program and because of, of really working the steps and working with a sponsor. Get a sponsor. If you don't have a sponsor, get a sponsor. Um, you know, that I, that I was able to do this. So I think I have like 30 seconds. But um, a quick thing that I usually like to end with is, okay, good, is um, uh, my most kind of devastating food experience and I don't know the opposite of that food experience and uh, who do they both uh, uh, involve but my dad so 
in high school, my last two years of high school, my brother went to college, it was in college, so it was just the two of us. It was the uh, disco 70s. Dad was actually single for the first time since he was uh, 20 years old, and he was dating up a storm. And we had like this whole role reversal. Like, I go, where are you going? He goes, out. Who are you going with? A friend. When are you be back later? Yeah, I mean, I really never knew where it was. I was really on my own. So one night, I had a lovely Pepperidge Farm layer cake in my room with me. And um, he came home unexpectedly. I was in the living room or probably the kitchen or whatever. And so, like, I kind of ran over to close the door so he wouldn't see. And he's like, well, what do you got in there, guy? No, I had something that, at that point, loved me more. Um, so that it's pretty devastating. Cut to maybe ten years ago or or uh, or so. Uh, my dad took uh, me and my brothers on this amazing trip to Budapest. That's where his dad was from, and we met like a survivor cousin we didn't even know we had. And so we're in one of the big squares, and, and it's summer, and everyone's having ice cream and, and whatnot, and, and I'm not because I don't eat sugar. And um, he turned to me and said, uh, you want to taste? I said, no, thanks. And he asked me again. I'm like, no. He never, ever offered me anything sweet. Um, and at that point, I thought, okay, I've worked this hard to just be a normal person. So with that, thank you so much. Uh, I believe now is the time for questions only. There is no sharing. We're still on, right? There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, uh, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, okay. Questions? Inkley. I would love to. Thank you. Talk about a little bit more of my relationship with God. My notes. So... One of the first things I heard in the rooms is, uh, there must be a God because I'm still here. And that resonated with me. I have it. Um, I keep in my phone a long list of sayings and slogans and things people say. And it's in there. If anyone wants it, I'm happy to text it to you. Um, But before that, and even since hearing that, I have no relationship with God. I'm a cultural Jew. Um, my mom is a born-again Christian. Works for her. Whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how, if there's a God, how was I put in such peril continually by the people who were supposed to take care of me? Um, the... Uh, and if you, some of you have heard me say this, but the uh, the actor studio um, show where he asks us questions at the end, and you know he says to people, "Well, if, if uh, you know God exists, what do you want him to to say when you get to the pearly gates?" 
And my answer, because I believe everybody answers those questions in their head, um, is I'm sorry. So that's God apologizing to me. Um, so that's, that's pretty heady. Uh, coming into the rooms, um, I mean, it, it, I was more than 12 years into program before I got the spiritual awakening. So it takes what it takes. And, you know, I hear people say, you know, well, the, you know, I went to the waves, I went to the beach and I tried to stop the waves. And so I knew that there was a God and because I couldn't do it. Great if that works for you. I don't like to go to the beach. Um, <laughs> some people are like, okay, the group is my higher power. Well, you guys are as fucked up and weird as I am. Right? I mean, I love you to death, but... Um, so, so that didn't work for me. Um, the, the intellectual process I went through, you know, how do God and Hitler exist on the same thing? Uh, that was a tough one. That was a tough one to get through. Um, but the moment came when we were reading in the workshop. Oh, we agnostics. Surprise. And I read this. Um, it says, it talks about things that you can, you can think about your conception. Um, whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. And that hit me. Right. These are matters I can play with in my head. But for my purpose, for our purpose, I was like, what is my purpose? My purpose is to recover. And messing around with that intellectual stuff was not helping my recovery. And it Hey, I got it, and I was a changed person from that from that moment. Thanks. Thank you so much. Two two quick questions. One is who's Jerry, and um, two is um, you said the night before your surgery something about Jerry. And I'm like, oh no, I had breakup sex with both Ben and Jerry. Who's Jerry? Ben, ben and Jerry. Oh, ben and Jerry. <laughs> Do you think I was talking about him? <laughs> You think I was talking about Ben? No, I know Jerry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and Mr. Entman too, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, if you couldn't stop eating without the surgery, why couldn't you stop eating without the surgery? What happened? Okay. After surgery, um, you introduce food very quickly. I mean, basically, your stomach is teeny weeny. So, I'm saying you can blow through that if you want, but it will be extremely painful. Extremely painful. Um, I decided at that point, no more flour, no more sugar. I don't need to reintroduce. I thought, there's a bunch of stuff I don't need to reintroduce into myself. Um, the sugar, there's a, a syndrome called dumping syndrome where high sugar or high fat can again make you so miserable and so, and, and have so much pain that I, um, I, I was like so afraid of that. Um, 
But I know your question. I mean, that's the physical stuff where you really physically can't. Yeah, because I, I, I but, know a lot of people here are eating through, through that pain. Exactly. We all know that, you know, right. yeah. you need to right. stuff a cigarette by the time. You know, I mean, right, it, yeah. It doesn't stop. I, um, I don't know. I, it, I think I, I had com- really committed to it, but the reason I came in came into program after that was because there was still obsession. I mean, I wasn't going to do it because I was afraid. You know, I didn't want to go through that. And I didn't want to disappoint myself. And I was really, I mean, I was working hard. I was working out. Uh, I was, you know, really working hard. But I know what you're saying about the, I mean, because it is in the brain. Um, I don't know. I think I have that. Thanks. Kelly. Thank you. Um, actually, two questions, mm-hmm. if I remember them. Um, what is your concept of a higher power today? And how has your spiritual awakening, psychic change, your thinking? Um, so, what is my concept of a higher power, and um, how has the uh, spiritual awakening changed my uh, my thinking? Um, a higher power concept, I think, for me is something that's on my side, um, and and there to uh, to take care of me. You know, it's going to be okay. You are going to be okay. Even if it's not okay out there, you're going to be okay. Um, and in the way of my thinking, um, definitely changed. There's a, so much more optimistic. Well, just optimistic. Not even so much more. Just optimistic for a change. Um, and it's, you know, I, I don't have the doom that I had. I mean, I'm still on antidepressants, and I'm good with taking those the rest of my life. Not a problem. But if anyone's been on, you could, you know, I've been on them long enough that my emotions could be um, appropriate, at least. Um, I don't know if going through this business stuff, I have, like, clients are jumping ship, like, I can't believe. Um, Man, I'm, I'm even. You know, there's some way that I think that I believe I'll be taken care of. I'm also able to really accept stuff. I mean, talking about promises, the promises in this program, I would get so fucking pissed off at the promises because I'm like, never happening for me because stuff doesn't happen for me. And I'm like, okay, check, 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 check. So I think... The change is believing that all this stuff's okay. Thank you. Um, you, you spoke about having an operation and stopping using the way that you mean and then coming into the program. And I'm just wondering what the emotional response was to not eating the way that you What was my emotional response to not eating the way I was in, eating? Um, well, it was weird because uh, I, uh, you know, I only ate one meal a day before. It just lasted all day. 
I mean, there was like no time that I wasn't eating. So there's that awareness that only happened when I quit smoking. I was like aware that I was not smoking, that I was sitting down at the typewriter. That's how long ago it was. Um, and I don't have a cigarette. Um, so I, I had to figure out how the hell to cope with others, you know, with all that stuff because I wasn't eating over it. Um, there is definitely, and I, I think this too, you, you lose weight very fast on the surgery. And I think the high of that is, is something that helped me, you know, keep going. Um, but I had to go through a mourning period. Definitely went through a mourning period by having to, to, to give up these foods that were, you know, were my savior till they weren't, were my, my friends, were my lovers, were, you know, everything to me. So there was definitely this kind of, of mourning having to leave them behind. Um, it, I, I came to forgiveness before program um, because I decided I wanted them in my life. Um, my relationships with them have just gotten better and better and better over the past many years. And I've been in program for many years. So I think, um, I think the continual forgiveness and the, um, continual way of, of uh, um, allowing them to be them helps. It also helps because there are times um, where, you know, with, with, where my mom will get very high key around certain things. And she still has, a, you know, I'm the second born, I'm the girl, my you know, brother is the first born Jewish boy. And so, like, he always knows better. And sometimes I just get the world's most agreeable daughter. But it helps to pray through that because that she is some, she is something I cannot change. That was okay, thanks. Thank you so much. All these questions. Can you describe what a, a day of sober cleaning mm-hmm. would be? Yes. And then second, do you have any morning rituals like reading, prayer, um, what do I have any rituals? And what is uh, uh, clean, sober eating? So sober eating. So I commit my food. In the morning, um, I use a little app and um, send that to my sponsor. If I'm going to change anything, I need to send that to her. If I want to go outside the lines, I have to talk to her. And that keeps me from not going outside the lines. It's the last thing I wanted. That absolutely deters me. <laughs> um, sorry, I don't want to talk to her about that. And... Um, I mean, I, I eat very cleanly, egg whites, you know, like part of my, my, my abstinence is, is no flour, no sugar, uh, I don't eat it in my car alone, no protein bars or anything really in a bar, well, I'll drink in a bar, um, but, um, and I just, I avoid, you know, oils, butters, salad dressing, you know, I just used balsamic vinegar. I've used vinegar from the beginning. I mean, you know, when I was a teenager, I only used vinegar because oil was fat. You know, so a lot of that stuff 
carries over. Um, you know, I'll send a salad back if they put the dressing on it, and I told them not to. I have no problem with that. I mean, I order like the obnoxious Angelina woman that I am. <laughs> Um, at morning ritual, not so much. I was meditating every morning, not for very long, but I kind of stopped that in January. Not sure why. Um, I am working on getting back into doing the tenth step. I kind of read the four today, today, or yesterday. So, so no, I don't really have um, a set kind of morning um, routine. I think you have one more, maybe? Three minutes. Ellie, okay. Um, would you talk about your ninth step amends? Oh, sure. So, ninth step amends. Um, first time around, I have very, very few people on, you know, besides myself, um, on there. Um, Yes, I, I was a good girl. I'd hurt myself before I hurt anyone else. Um, if I lied, it was only about myself. And it was usually like, you know, some people say they say yes when they mean no. I would say no when I really wanted something because to, you know, deny myself. Um, so really I had like really no direct amends. But I, I had to get very creative. Um, because the, the amends I had to make were indirect because either it wasn't possible or um, it, it would hurt harm others. So I, I went to the United Nations school and I used to steal money from kids' uh, coats uh, to buy candy. So I'm like, what am I going to do about that? So I made a donation to UNICEF. Um, I one of the married guys I slept with is blind. That, now that was that was a high. It's like, oh look, he really likes me, and he doesn't even know what my body's like. Um, so I made a donation to the lighthouse. Another one that was really far fetched. Another lover I had was a photo teacher in Chicago. So I like it's like. Like, I actually found a photo not-for-profit in Chicago that, you know, so I worked at, how, you know, how to do that. And then, like, second and third time I've gone through the steps, I just, I really don't have much. It's more, it was more to myself. Have a question? Um, how, how, what does it look like to make yourself? How you doing that? Um... I think that's a constant thing, and um, I think it has it has to to do with treating myself as worthy, um, and and a lot of that has to do with growing up. A lot of this program is is about growing up for me. I think that's my time. Thank you.